and his name is Gautham, and we are here to chew on quite a few topics here at the Baseball Buffet. Um, we have been uh, out from the podcast world for about two weeks. I needed a mental health day last week. I've been on the road for a very long time. It kind of took its toll on me, but we are home, finally. You could see based on my Bush Stadium sign, my Cardinals uh, neon sign that I forgot to turn on, my beer fridge. We're back. We're feeling great. We're going to do some podcasting today. So, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Uh, Great Labor Day weekend. Uh, Spent at home with family and friends. Um, Looking forward to the stretch run here. And glad you're home. And yeah, uh, today's the day for like barbecuing, right? Like Labor Day. So exactly. Said, you know, we're going to be chewing on some some stuff. Let's let's uh, let's take a big bite here and uh, get into it. Yeah. So we don't have necessarily a big topic today, uh, and that's partly because we kind of missed a lot of big stuff last week that we think still needs to be talked about in addition to some big stuff that happened this week. So we're just going to do essentially a whole This Week in Baseball episode, um, and we're going to get right into it with some big, big milestones. Um, I don't think we can start a podcast without mentioning that we've now seen a first in Major League history. Uh, A guy, you may or may not have heard of him. His name is Ronald Acuna Jr. He's, He's this young prospect for for an up-and-coming Braves team that no one's really ever heard of. Um, But apparently this dude has both power and speed, and he has shown it off this year, amassing the first, the first 30 home run, 60 stolen base season in Major League history. He just invented that club, the 30-60 club, and... Who's stopping him from reaching the 3070 club or the 4070 club, dare we say? Like, it, it's possible, probably not going to happen, but he's had guy, 11 homer months in the past. Yeah. Yeah. He, he like, can do it. I'm not putting it past him, but the fact that he's done this 3060, that is just incredible. Um, the thing that really stands out for me with Acuna is that this year, uh, after he's actually had quite an extensive track record. He's not an up-and-coming prospect. He's been in the league since 2018. He's got a history of being a guy that kind of strikes out in the you know 25% range. And this year, he's out here like not striking out at all. He's one of the best elite contact hitters in the league. I think he's uh, legitimately cut he's his strikeout rate in half, right? Yeah, so last year it was 23.6%. This year, 11.9%. So that's like top five players in, in Major League Baseball. And usually, like, we've seen other players cut their strikeout rate, but it usually means that they're kind of giving up some of the power. And that has not been the case at all with Acuna because he just is smacking the ball and, and making the same quality of contact that he did in the past. I don't even understand. Like, I, I kind of want to, like, know what this guy did to make the improvements that he has over this like off season, essentially. Cause he just, he's a different player than he was and he's better than he was in the past. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, obviously, yes, he's a different player with the plate discipline because he's also got his uh, walk rate. Uh, well, his walk rates always usually pretty high. It's still above 11%. Um, but like this is the first time he's ever hit for a 300 average. He's hitting 335. Like his um his zone discipline and his ability to put the bat on the ball is unparalleled in his own career. Like it's it's absolutely wild to see what he's doing. And he's doing it without like getting like you would say he's probably just really lucky because he's never been able to do this before. He's really not. Like the few things that you can look at statistically that try and define luck, Babip. Um, what's there's what's the other one? There's another one, right? I mean, we can look at like all expected stats that take into to account like the batted ball quality, and the batted ball quality is unmatched. Like he's hundred percentile in 
ex woba for example, which is yeah. basically taking into account, you know, how hard he hits the ball and um that's like the main input, I guess, that goes into that versus his actual woba. And it's 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 not like what he's doing is undeserved, I guess I would say. In fact, if anything, lucky. if anything, it's saying he's getting unlucky. <laughs> right. So yeah. Uh, Acuna has been just absolutely phenomenal out of his mind. He's about to cross the 125 run scored threshold, which not really a big stat that a lot of people look at, but that's, that's impressive. If you're on base enough to score that much and you've driven in 32 of those runs yourself by the long ball, um, being able to steal, get further down the base paths make it so that a sack fly can score you, that's really, really important. Like, the run stat in and of itself is not really all that important, but you can use that along with the context of everything else he's done to show just how valuable he's been. Yeah, I always bring up that point. Like, if you look at the runs scored leaders, it's always the best players in the league. There's never, like, an outlier bad player that just scores a bunch of runs, I guess, is what I would say about that. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling we're going to come back to him later in the episode. So let's get back to some of these milestones and we'll come back to Acuna in a bit. Okay. Okay. Um, next major league milestone for the first time in history, a player has had a 25, 25 season in his rookie and sophomore years. Julio Rodriguez, who had a pretty pedestrian first half. I think that's fair to say it was, it was lackluster. Yeah. It wasn't, he wasn't like the worst player in the league or anything, but he wasn't even like an average player, I guess. And that is completely flipped on its head here, especially in the last uh, several weeks. He had a stretch where he had, uh, I think 17 hits within four games, Uh, (laughs) picked up about 20 points of batting average in that span and he's just leading the Mariners right now to a division title, um, maybe a first round buy. Like this team is just rolling right now. And that's been one of the better storylines of the second half this year. And it's absolutely led by Julio. Like it's so cool. Well, and the the thing that I think is just absolutely wild is he rode essentially a really, really, really hot. Uh, well, he rode a good July and just an insane August to bring what was looking to be an incredibly disappointing season back to pretty much matching his stats from his rookie of the year season exactly. Like, he was just not good for the first three months of the year. And now, looking at season totals, you would not know that. Right, And he's he's done it with improved defense over last year. Um, He's done it with uh, a lot more steals because he just reached 25 steals last year. And I think he's at 36 right now. Uh, That sounds about right. Yeah. So, yeah, like Julio, this kid is special. Um, I got one more stat on you. So uh, his average on May 10th, well, maybe that's a little too early in the season. Let's go with June 30th. His batting average, 206. Today, um, what's 285. 285, which is like top 10 in the league or like top 15 in the league. So yeah. that, that's just a good example of like just how hot he's been and how good he, he has been. Like other players can get hot, but this is like now an extended stretch and it's at a level that's, above you know 99 percent of the league players in the league like regular guys cannot have a stretch like this i feel like no like this stretch there's legitimately only one player in all of baseball who is better than julio rodriguez in the calendar month of august and we're going to talk about him here in a little bit too his name is mookie betts so whenever you're doing that and you're up in in conversations now with ronald acuna and mookie betts after having the the first three months that he had, that just goes to show you how big of a superstar this guy is. 
So um, we do have a couple more milestones here, two that have been reached and two that are about to be reached that I would like to make sure that people are aware of. Um, so first of all, Guardians fans, plug your ears. <laughs> Trust me, you're not going to like this. Royce Lewis has hit three Grand Slams in the last eight days. He is the fourth rookie all-time to do that, and I think the list of just any players to do that is not a whole lot longer than this, but he's the fourth rookie all-time to hit three Grand Slams in eight, eight games. I kind of thought you were going to say he's hit uh, three Grand Slams in the last eight minutes. That would not have shocked me. Well, he almost had a fourth today, but he ended up just hitting it a little low. Okay. Next time. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Larry Parrish, Jim Horthrop, and uh, a little unknown guy named Lou Gehrig. The only other rookies who've managed to hit three Grand Slams in eight days. So kudos to Royce Lewis. Um, kind of with Royce Lewis and J-Rod, the teams are both looking at him and saying, as J-Rod goes, we go. As Royce goes, we go. And those teams have been incredibly, incredibly hot as these two players have just taken off into the atmosphere. Yeah, it's kind of funny because at the beginning of the season, I would have said, oh, if if Byron Buxton has a great year, the Twins are going to go pretty far. Like, he's their guy. Byron Buxton's had a terrible season. He's been injured a lot, too. And they're still in first place. I mean, that kind of speaks to the the state of that division, which is quite bad. But uh, I guess I would not have expected Royce Lewis to be the guy that's leading the charge for, for Minnesota at this point. Well, and I think the biggest reason that we wouldn't expected that is his own injury history. Like yeah, he, exactly. This has been one of the most unlucky people in the history of the earth when it comes to injuries and staying on the baseball field. So like Both him just and seeing, Buxton, right? Yeah. 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 So just seeing him on the field and showing what we all knew he could do is is just awesome to see. And the twins are now really they're in control of their own destiny as far as finishing above five hundred. And there yeah. was a point this season where it looked like there was a real chance that the winner of the AL Central could finish with a below five hundred record. So it's bringing some respectability <laughs> to a team here in the AL Central. So that's, that's nice to see. And kind of like this series between Cleveland and Minnesota is huge for minute. Like basically this is Cleveland's last chance to pick up games uh, from their deficit. And, and the first game is not going well for, for Cleveland. So they're going to have to like win the next two. That might not even be enough. That's still only going to, help them pick up one game uh, on Minnesota. Yeah, Cleveland is putting up a fight to try and get some runs across the board, but I think it's going to be a little hard to make up uh, 15 runs in two innings. So, But they've got runners on first and second and no outs, so maybe they could do something. They can't. By the way, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, but the other has happened milestone that we need to talk about. We have another player who has reached the 300 home run milestone. And this is a dude who's going to be around for a lot longer. Bryce Harper just hit his 300th home run here this week. Uh, Honestly, it feels like this is a little late for us to be talking about that just because of some of the injuries he's had um, that have kept him off the field a little bit the last two years. But he has reached 300, and I'm pretty certain he's on his way to four, maybe 450. Does that feel about right? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bryce have many more 30 homer seasons for the rest of his career. Like, obviously, the power's there. And, you know, before, before like last year, he was a very, very durable player. He always posts and plays a lot of games and he's got eight more years on his contract. Like Bryce Harper is going to be around and no reason he's not going to continue to mash and continue his trajectory to the hall of fame. Yeah. Uh, and he's the now what the one, two, three, four, he's the fifth player to reach the 300 home run milestone this year alone. Um, which is a lot. 
actually. And and there's some really, really good names in that list. Nolan Arenado, Freddie Freeman, Manny Machado, J.D. Martinez, Bryce Harper. Like, this has kind of been a... I feel like we've almost not talked about it enough with some of these guys this year. And, and just baseball as a whole. Like, we're seeing an entire generation of superstars kind of all starting to reach that, hey, we're some of the best of all time milestones. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, all those guys that you group together, because they're all, not all the same age, but they're all roughly in the same parts of their careers where they're not like, they're they're no longer in their 20s, is the easy way to say it. JD excluded, he's kind of the elder statesman of that group, and Freddie's on the older end, but everyone else is between... Yeah. Uh, Goldschmidt didn't hit his 300 oh, this gotcha. year. He hit it last gotcha, year. Yeah. Uh, but everyone else is between 30 and 32. Yeah. Freddie's 33. Um, but then JD obviously at 35 is kind of the, the odd man out in that. Um, but like we're seeing a lot of future Hall of Famers starting to hit these big milestones. Like 300, while it's not anywhere near the 700 mark that is now got four players in. It's still a really, really good mark um, and, and pretty indicative of just some of the best players we've ever seen. But the other thing that I wanted to mention is we actually have two more guys who might join that club this year that actually kind of fit with J.D. Martinez a little bit. And your elder statesman in kind of the twilight of their career hitting their mark. Uh, and one of them is going for it against a team that he used to play for. Andrew McCutcheon is sitting at 299 career home runs. He is up in Milwaukee this week. He actually has two doubles today off Corbin Burns. He was really, really trying for that, uh, but couldn't get past second base there. Um, But you guys should keep an eye out for Andrew McCutcheon because that's going to be a big one. He is one of the most respected players in in the league today. Um, That's going to be a huge moment for him, for the Pirates, Honestly, for the Brewers and the Phillies, too. Like, he's been beloved everywhere he's gone. Yeah, and the thing about McCutcheon, his his game has dropped off a little bit, but he's still productive, and I think he's going to continue to be a solid player for as long as he plays, kind of like uh, Evan Longoria, who's still doing it, but he's just doing it on a part-time basis. And um, I don't know, like, the, the superstar guys, they sometimes can do it for a little bit longer because they just, you know, their, their entry level is just so high that when they drop off, maybe they're better than like some, some others. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the one other guy that's close to joining it this year is actually Carlos Santana, who is pretty much everything we've said about McCutcheon. Copy paste. So keep an eye out for those guys, especially this week with Andrew McCutcheon, because he is at two ninety nine. The one other guy that you guys need to watch out for, uh, and I fully expect him to hit this one this week, Giancarlo Stanton is going to be the third active player to reach 400 home runs. He is sitting at 399 today. The Yankees are off. I would not be surprised to see him go deep tomorrow and reach that goal, but those are games that you guys should definitely be watching because these are milestones that are really, really big for some really really well-respected players. Yeah. I, I, I'm having an idea talking about like all these players for like a future podcast, something about basically how these guys are aging because John Carlos Stanton is the cautionary tale for all the 31, 30 year olds for what can happen in the second half of your career. Like years ago in like 2017, after the MVP season, John Carlos Stanton was essentially a lock to hit 500 home runs. I'm not sure we can say that at this point. Is he going to hit another home, like a hundred home runs in his career? He could. I mean, the dude's still only 33. <laughs> yeah, but he's, uh, he's having trouble staying on the field and he's not even close to the player that he, he had been. True, but he's only played about a half season this year. He's played 85 games and he's got 21 home runs. Yeah. Like he only has to do that five times. And he has such prodigious power and such a large frame that that power is not really going to drop off. I, from a power standpoint, I have a feeling he's probably going to be in the same uh, same kind of 
aging curve is like a Nelson Cruz. Yeah, but but point so, being, he's no longer the lock that he was five years ago. Yeah. Well, five years ago, you're probably talking: Is he going to be six hundred? Is he going to <laughs> yeah, be? Yeah, people were saying that. Is this the home run king? Yeah. So make sure to watch out for Kutch and Stanton, and then hearing probably by the end of the season, Carlos Santana. Those are three more big names that are going to be reaching some big milestones. Uh, and that's all we got for milestones. What do you say we turn it to some other news? Yeah, let's do it. I don't think we can continue on podcasting if we don't immediately transition to the topic of baseball. Uh, Shohei Otani. Dude is just low-key a god. Uh, 42 home runs. What's he at? 40, 43. 43 Something. home runs. He's got like 20-something steals. Uh, he's not pitching for the rest of the season because he needs Tommy John most likely. Uh, yet he's still on the field, still playing um, as a DH and doing what he always does. Uh, but it kind of brings to the forefront a couple of questions about his his impending free agency. Um, is he going to get Tommy John again? Probably yes. He kind of needs it, and they they said so much today. His uh, uh, man or his agent had uh, been quoted as saying that he's going to get some kind of elbow surgery. Didn't specify it was Tommy John, but you can you can read between the lines there. It's going to be Tommy John. But Otani does intend to DH throughout the entirety of next year. Um, this will be his second Tommy John. So it's not, it's not going to be as quick of a recovery as the first time. The first time he did DH while he was recovering and didn't pitch for a season. That's what he wants to do again. But like Bryce is maybe the perfect example to look at this. Like it took him five to six months to come back and start hitting in May, right? Yeah, just about early May for Bryce. Yeah, which is one of the fastest returns we've ever seen. Uh, he is a position player. Does just he did just come back as a DH? Didn't start playing first base until July, but that was also his first Tommy John. If if Otani shuts it down now, gets that surgery next week, like I'm not sure he'll be back for opening day as a DH. I still feel like he's going to be like maybe close, but I think he'll be kind of. Still trying to get it worked out, but what's this going to, how is this going to affect everything, basically, is free agency, teams that are looking yeah, to get I, him. I guess before we get into that, I just want to step back here and say, you know, I'm very sad that this has happened. Yeah. And before we, like, discuss, you know, free agent impact and all that stuff, it's kind of a little depressing at the moment. Um, you know, baseball... Is losing out in a big way right now, like because their biggest star is going to be sidelined doing the thing that makes him baseball's biggest star doing the two way thing. Like every week, I was excited for Otani's starts to see what he would do next, and um, we don't have that anymore. It sucks. Um, yeah, he's still one of the premier hitters, but he in in the league, and but it's not quite the same like he could go out and hit 62 home runs fully believe he can and that would be amazing but it's made more amazing by the fact that he goes out there every six days pitches seven innings yep so and and that very game that he sustained the injury or at least like aggravated the injury or whatever he had a home run in that game he struck out a batter in the same inning like it's it's it was all inspiring stuff every time he went out there and um and he stole a base right that same game uh he may i think he might have left that game but um it, I, I don't I, like i don't well like is there a are we gonna see this again do, do you think this is gonna happen again is he gonna get back to this level of otani i don't know uh I kind of think it, I think he might like he he's might, just like, he's in 
and I say this in the most respectful and nice way ever. He's a freak. Yeah. He he is like the epitome of human anatomy. The dude's huge. He's incredibly strong. He's lean. He's limber. He's fast. Like he puts in all of the work to be able to pitch and hit throughout an entire season. That takes a lot. Like you see these players that just play center field and how much work they put in to be able to do that every day at the level they do it. Now make them pitch too. Obviously Otani's not out there shagging balls, but he's got to go into the cage, make sure that he's staying in shape to hit. He's got to do an entirely different set of exercises to go and be able to pitch at the level that he's doing it. And that, um, that what's the word? Not motivation that that drive that he has to be able to do that. I have a feeling will be there to bring him back to that point. Yeah, he's going to put the same effort and uh, same intensity intensity into his rehab that he does his regular day to day pitching and hitting training essentially. And honestly, he might increase his intensity just because he knows it's the second Tommy John's. He knows it's going to be tougher to rehab this one and. Um, yeah, he, he, he's a unicorn. He's a freak. He, he's gonna, he's gonna make it back and there's absolutely zero way he's giving up pitching until someone tells him specifically like, no, you can't do this. Like it doesn't work, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't even understand like people who are saying that he should consider, you know, giving up pitching. It's not going to happen. It's just simply not. No, and there's pitchers that have had two Tommy Johns. Yeah. And then have come back. Like, I, I, DeGrom's not the best example because he just had a second Tommy John and hasn't come back from it yet. But there are guys who've done it. He could do it. And I believe that that man, with everything he's ever done in baseball, shows me that he will be able to come back from this and be maybe not the exact same guy. But even if he's an 85% of that guy, he's still a unicorn. Like we're talking about. I don't I don't know that this is a hot take. We're talking about the best baseball player of all time. Like. I. Yeah, that's not really think, a stretch at this point. Yeah, it's, it's just it is what it is at this point. And uh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I I think he'll be back. Now, the question is, what are teams going to be willing to risk on him? Uh Because his his free agency thing has a lot of different um, a lot of different tentacles. So there's Otani, the hitter. There's Otani, the pitcher. There is Otani, the advertising. And there is. Otani, the putting fans in seats draw. Basically, you're paying for four different things because one, Japan and pretty much every other country on earth loves this man. People follow him. If he goes to a different team, fans will come with him. There's no doubt about that. So you're paying for increased exposure of your team, increased advertising revenue. And what you get on the field. So that's kind of why t- like it wasn't a stretch before this Tommy John to say this guy could get 500 to maybe even 600 million in a, in a contract. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess so the teams will you, make you, that money back. Right. And uh, if you, if you like generalize it into those four categories, I suppose, and, and eliminate one of them, you know, the pitching, let's say he never pitches again or whatever. You've still got the other three draws. You know, he's still an elite hitter, top, you know, five or 10 hitter in the league. Um, and he's going to bring in fans and bring in money for a club. So I don't really see how he's still not going <laughs> to do great in free agency. Like, yeah, he's probably not going to make the same contract that he would have made, but it's not going to be a small contract. It's not going to be a one-year deal or anything like that. Yeah, no. I I have a feeling this is going to be the last contract he ever signs. Right. So, 
let's just for argument's sake, he, he's what, 30 or 29? 29. 29. Okay. So let's say this next contract is going to be 12 years. That would put him basically in the same um, realm as far as length and, and like uh, age at end of contract Mike as Trout. guys like Mike Trout. Uh, I think Trey Turner would be about the same age. Uh, Corey Seager, all kind of in that same realm. Those guys got 400 and something million for Trout, like 425, right? Mm-hmm. For 13 years? Yeah, 12 years, or, I think. Tw- 12 years. Uh, Bryce was the one that got the 13 year. Yep. Okay. Um, so, yeah, 12, 425 for Trout. I would say Otani, as a hitter alone, probably about equal to a Trout. Right, mm-hmm. and when you take into account that that was years ago that that contract was signed, and with any chance at all that he would pitch again, that factors into the contract. You know, like it's it's a gamble, maybe, but it's if there's any chance at all, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna pay off. Yeah. Plus, you've got the other tentacles we were talking about, the advertising. Like you, as soon as Otani came to the Angels, you started seeing like. um what is it like Namco and, and um, well, heck Churu Mookie's favorite treat advertises at the angels games. It's, it's a Japanese cat treat. So you're seeing all of these Japanese companies come and advertise because they know that there's going to be a lot of eyes from Japanese viewers. So you've got that money coming in, which makes 425 incredibly easy to pay. Um, really it, makes 500 pretty reasonable just from the value he's bringing to the club there. So his value isn't just 425 of baseball value. It's that plus a hundred million of advertising value. Plus if he pitches like I could see this dude still getting 550. I don't, it's going to have to be one of a very small handful of clubs that does it because most teams are going to say that that is just straight up, not within the realm of what they can do. And there's a couple that that is maybe the one contract that I will actually say, okay, I understand Bob Nutting that you cannot afford that. (laughs) The White Sox are the one confirmed team to say that they're out so far. Yeah. And that's one of the teams that I think could could do it. Well, Jerry Reinsworth doesn't need money anymore. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be huge. And... uh, I don't know, like, <laughs> he's just going to, he's going to, he's going to come back and uh, it's going to be a great deal for whatever team signs him. Okay, so my question is, what haircut is he going to have when he comes back? I feel like when you come back from second Tommy John, you got to go new do, new do, new me. New like Probably, uh, maybe like a, like a mohawk. I'm thinking a Mohawk too. That's what I was thinking. Okay. I like it. Um, but yeah, so it, it, this Otani thing, it, this is not going to go away. We're going to be talking about this for a long time. Cause I, he's going to be rehabbing as he's on the, the free agent market. Oh, I forgot the, I don't know the feasibility of this, but what about some sort of contract structure that's based on if he becomes a pitcher, then, essentially a, a different part of his contract will vest that he can make more money. That Honestly, that's probably what's going to happen because it, so it's kind of going to be the, what's the Julio Rodriguez contract where there's like five or six different things that can happen based on different vestings. And, and he can make $200 million or $400 million. And I, I have a feeling that it's going to be something like that, especially with a dude like this. So as a as a hitter, we'll pay you this. If you can make this many starts in a season, we'll give you this on top of it. If you vest a certain amount of in the first three years, then we'll add in this much money for the back end year, stuff like that. It, it's going to be a, a wild contract. It's going to take an entire episode just for us to explain how it works. I can guarantee it. Yeah, and it's going to take maybe an entire episode to set up uh, Otani's free agency and how it's going to play out. That might be something we could do in the off season. Yeah. I feel like we could do a bunch of mini sods about why this team should get Otani and why they won't. 
So Artie Moreno going to go seven hundred million for Shohei just to bring him back? What if Trout takes pay cut to get Otani back? <laughs> There's no salary cap in baseball. So <laughs> I could see it happening. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and move on because we've got a lot more to talk about. Like a lot. Yeah, um, let's talk about let's, it. Like, can we talk about the Angels? If, if yeah, that's actually where I was going next. Yeah, okay. So the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim are a train wreck inside a dumpster fire inside of a something, something else. Insert Jake Tapper statement here from from that election show coverage thing. Uh, that is the Angels. Um, they went out. They they tried. They really, really tried to put themselves in a position to make a run at a postseason with Otani and Trout. Things did not go well. They started losing. They started losing a lot. Uh, and then Otani hurt his UCL, and things were just really not looking good. And so Perry Manassian made the decision to place Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, Randall Gritchick, and Matt Moore all on irrevocable waivers, basically allowing any other team in Major League Baseball to claim those players and the remaining salary for this season. Uh, or remaining sa- remaining yeah, contract right. period, right? They, it would just all be had, for the season. They're all free agents at the end of the year. Okay, yeah. Um, so this was three weeks, four weeks after the trade deadline? When uh, About four, four and a half. Um, major, major, like, 180 here. Going from trading to get Giolito... Ronaldo Lopez, Randall Gritchick, and, and then just basically saying, oh, never mind. Bye. Go somewhere else. Yeah. It's, well, I guess going back to the trade deadline decision, we, we said at that time, we thought that they did the right thing by going yeah. all in with Otani and Trout for this last hurrah. And it didn't work out. You know, that happened. <laughs> And yeah. we kind of we saw that happening, and then they turn around and basically they're trying to cut their losses here and not have to pay luxury tax, and that affects baseball except things. They, except they, they are still that. over the luxury tax, so it didn't work quite as expected because no one claimed Randall Gritchick, so they're still over that luxury tax threshold. Which means, say they do lose Otani and they've offered the qualifying offer. They're going to get a fourth round pick instead of a second round pick, um, which is. Oh, I didn't even realize that was why they were doing that. That's so there was a very real reason for doing it. And I don't fault them at all for actually putting all those guys out on waivers. Uh, We'll talk about their landing places in a second. But do you think something like this should be even allowed in baseball? Like there's been a lot of talk about this just being kind of a bad look for major league baseball and, and and the rules are relatively new. We've never seen this scenario play out where a team puts a bunch of like productive players on waivers for free other than money, like at this time in the season. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's kind of a weird look. I don't know that I would say it's a bad look because one, you want to see the good players, in the postseason, and now uh, Giolito's had some issues this year with with the home run bug and some some bad starts, and a couple of these other guys have kind of been in the same same boat where they've been up and down this year. But you still want to see these guys in the postseason. This isn't like your um, Terrence Gore, and so I think as fans of those teams that are getting the players, you're really really excited because this is something that. After the trade deadline, you kind of just assume your roster's set, which is what the point of the trade deadline is. Um, so it kind of feels like a loophole, yeah. but I don't know that it's a bad look. I, I think it looks bad on the Angels, but there was never going to be a world in which that looked good on that particular team. As far as on the sport, eh. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't really like that it happened i guess like the, it looks bad on the angels and that does kind of reflect badly on the league that oh you know these players are just 
being let go, and now the Angels are just completely non-competitive. Um, I understand the reason why. It's just, is there another better way that this could be avoided? Not in this CBA. Yeah. So in the next CBA, that's I can pretty much guarantee this gets talked about. Yeah. So is because it it does kind of go into the whole anti-tanking measures because. Like they're not necessarily tanking. They're, but they got rid of five like good players on their team. Yes, but tanking implies that you're trying to lose to get a better draft pick. This isn't so much winning and losing; it's getting the salary down. So it, it's it's the same effect for a different reason, and so it's a little bit weird. Because like if if they did this and then went and didn't win a single other game this year. And they did it to try and move up the draft or the draft board in the first round for next year. Yeah, that looks bad. And honestly, maybe that is part of the the math here. But yeah, I I don't know. It's just such a weird. Yeah, it is a weird circumstance, and uh, that's why we haven't really seen something like this before. And it's probably not something that's going to you know show up every year. there were a few other players like veteran players that were put on uh, irrevocable waivers as well. Uh, And some got claimed, some did not. And it's yeah. So there were a total of uh, six players that were claimed Four of them actually were from the angels. Uh, The other two being Harrison Bader, uh, the Yankees put him on waivers and he was claimed by the reds and Dominic Leone put on waivers from the Mets claimed by the Mariners. Um, but any other team that tried to do the same thing was not successful. No one picked them up. Um, but the angels lost three of these guys, Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore, all to the Cleveland guardians. Um, and then Hunter Renfro ended up going to the Cincinnati reds and they kind of got screwed in their entire pursuit of money, uh, by no one picking up Randall Gritchick. So he is back on the angels for the rest of the season. And they did not get under the luxury tax. Yeah. Uh, Those players that end up in Ohio. So apparently all the angels just went to Ohio. Um, So the reds got two outfielders. I mean, that's going to help them a little bit. Um, Actually, you know, they were a big part of one of the wins that the reds had over the weekend. And that's a team that's really struggling with the bats right now, getting anything going. And they've had, quite a few injuries and stuff. So I feel like Renfro and Bader do help the situation a little bit. Yeah. And Bader is obviously a bigger plus on the defensive side than the offensive side, but he's still a very, uh, very solid offensive player. Yeah. Um, and then the, like we talked about the guardians earlier, but they're, they're hanging on to hope that they can do something stupendous. Uh, Giolito just kind of laid an egg in his in his first start here with Cleveland. He's struggled, as you mentioned. This the thing about like this whole waiver process is that we have to remember like these players are only going to be on the team for one month of the season, and they're none of them are superstar all star players. Like they are going to move the percentage ever ever so slightly maybe in the team's favor. And, and that's all the teams are looking for at this point. Cleveland was not a high, they don't have a high probability to make the playoffs with or without the three players they added, I guess. So it's yeah, yeah, I maybe think being overstated, the impact. We, we were talking the other day with Matthew that they went from like a 5% to a 5.3% chance. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So really their biggest thing is time. There's not really time for them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're only five games back. They've still got an E number of uh, 21, but like, I, I don't know. It, it's a move that it makes sense. Like, there's no reason not to do it. It's not like they had better options. Right. Or like their number five starter or a couple of relievers. Like, it's a good move, but it's not something that's going to. It's not going to move the needle. Yeah. So. But I was really, uh, 
I was really tempted when you said stupendous. I was going to say it wasn't stupendous. It was stupid, but I guess it's, it's not stupid. I just. <laughs> oh, well. Um, yeah, and then Dominic Leone, uh pickup for the Mariners. I think that might actually be the biggest move that happened off of waivers because I think Leone could come in there and actually help uh, um, improve this uh, bullpen as we get to the end of the season. You start getting some arms kind of wore out and and he'll come in and um help this team that is now in first place um try and hold their lead against uh houston and texas um see here what else we want to talk about we'll do something uh two quick hits and then we'll go to some longer stuff again what do you think okay uh when i say trey turner what comes to mind? Uh, struggling in the first year of his big contract, but he seems to be turning the corner here. Okay, what if I told you seven home runs in eight games comes to mind? Wow, that's uh, really impressive. Yeah, uh, basically ever since the uh, Philadelphia fans did the least Philadelphia thing known to man and supported a struggling player with a standing ovation... He has been phenomenal. Um, he actually, the only game in the last eight days that he did not hit a home run was yesterday. So Trey Turner is God tier. Um, and he needs some love. So here it is. Uh, second up, Steven Strasburg retiring due to medical issues um basically he's not having any good luck coming back from his thoracic outlet syndrome um and so he is calling it a career um he is expected to announce it i think here at the end of this week formally but it's been rumored for about a week that this was happening uh he will make the rest of his money on his contract uh because it was not insured by the nats so basically because it was for medical reasons he didn't just retire just to stop playing he still gets paid the team didn't insure the contract, so they are on the hook for it. So basically, the Nats are going to be playing, paying him for a very long time to not pitch. Yeah, people are going to remember the injury, and you can't tell Strasburg's story without talking about his injury history and how much time he missed over the like end part of his career. But Guy had an awesome career. He was so good at his peak. Uh, he won the World Series. He was one of the most Hype pitching prospects, probably World Series most, MVP, right? I think World Series MVP, yeah. And he absolutely lived up to the hype that was set for him, and he was the most hype pitching prospect, I think, of my entire life. Yeah. And uh, people will say, oh, he didn't reach that, but I disagree. He, I think he, he absolutely did everything you could have asked for if you look at his picture like at, at his career from a big picture perspective and say he did all these things he had this career and you shooting, know forget the injury stars burn hot and they burn fast yeah and that's what steven strasberg's career was was a shooting star it was spectacular he debuted at 20 is that right yeah. same uh, season he was drafted i don't know if it was the same season it was either might have been opening day the next year, but it was, it was not it was, opening day. It was like the next it was the next year, but it was like May, I believe. OK, but it it was a very, very short minor league stint. He came up incredibly young, was phenomenal from the start, had some injuries, came back from his injuries, led the team to the 2019 World Series, won the World Series MVP and then just Injuries plagued him. Couldn't do it. So love Steven Strasburg. I, that team does not win that world series without him. Honestly, I don't think that team rises to relevance without him. Cause he was kind of the, it, until Juan Soto broke out, which happened to also be 2019. Like he was the main thing when Bryce left that let everyone think maybe the end isn't here. So he's a he's a pretty big deal over in Washington. 
I'm talking about him like he's dead. Feels a little weird. But, um, yeah, so unfortunate for Steven Strasburg, but also congratulations to Steven Strasburg because I, I know that that's going to be a big weight off of his shoulders. Just a lot of pressure to just try and come back and do something that is now off his shoulders and he'll be able to go on and do whatever he wants at this point. And I have a feeling he'll succeed at whatever he chooses. He's still young too. He's only 30. Two, 33, a little older than that, but yeah. All right. Uh, we'll talk real quick about the Chicago white Sox Cause I you think wanna, you want to save the white Sox. Maybe. Sure. We'll save the white Sox. Let's go talk about the Yankees. All right. The Yankees actually had some positives to their season, and those positives came by the names of Jason Dominguez and Austin Wells. Um, Jason and Austin both made their debuts on Friday. Uh, And Jason Dominguez against Justin Verlander in Minute Maid Park, first at bat. Take strike one. And then takes a high heater oppo field into the Crawford boxes on what I assume was a 200 mile an hour exit velocity. Uh, The 20 year old kid has absolutely prodigious power. The Martian is here and the Martian, I think, is here to stay. I think it's late enough in the season that he'll be up the rest of the year. He'll be on the opening day roster next year. And we're kind of starting to see the changing of the guard again here for the Yankees um, in kind of the, the biggest moment where they needed a change. So this is a team that they just got rid of Josh Donaldson. Finally, They're, they got rid of Aaron Hicks earlier this year. Um, Gary's been gone now for a year and a half, um, but they haven't really had good enough replacements at those positions to allow this team to succeed in this tough AL East. So now Volpe's up. Oswaldo and Oswald are both up. You bring up Austin Wells, a a catcher prospect who is also incredibly highly touted and got his first hit and his first at bat as well with the single. Um, It's a really, really big time for for the Yankees here. This is a really young core. The Yankees um, are not old for the first time in a long time. And that's, I, I can only see that as a positive because the old guys were not getting the job done around yeah. Aaron judge. And they won, the Yankees went out and won a series behind these, these young guys, which I, I think we also need to mention the same game that these two debuted Aaron judge hit his 250th career home run. So that was a huge game for the Yankees. Yeah, I just didn't um, want to forget that part. Yeah, uh, so Jason Dominguez, he's 20 years old, and people have known his name since he was 16 when he first signed. And at that time, he was getting Mike Trout comparisons, which was just wholly unfair. And yeah. he had some struggles through the minor leagues as a teenager, and he's already in the major leagues at, at age 20. Um I would say that's pretty impressive and yeah, um, you know, huge, huge upside for this guy to be a really complete, like great player. And the fact that he got to the major so early is encouraging. I think it's, well, it, it's, it might take especially some time with the struggles that he had had in right, his first yeah. couple seasons. Um, Cause he complex ball was tough for him, which is not usually typical for a guy that's as, as highly touted as he is. But then he went through and in 2022 went through three levels of the majors or of the minors. And then this year he went through two levels and made it to the majors. So like after that first, that first stretch in 2021, just really, really struggling. He kind of, it seems like he found another gear, turned it on and got back to what we all thought he could do at least as far as a prospect is concerned. And now now's the time for him to put up or shut up at the major league level, but it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. 
All right. Mookie Betts went into, well, so we hadn't talked about him since he returned to Boston because we didn't podcast last week, but Mookie Betts went back to Boston and showed up. Um, He got a couple different standing O's from that crowd there. He is beloved in Boston still, even though they traded him to the Dodgers. They come in. I'm pretty sure the Dodgers just absolutely trounced the Red Sox in that series. I remember. I think they did well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then uh, Mookie comes in. They play against the Braves here in the first series since uh, the turn of the calendar month. And Mookie Betts has put up basically the last month and a series uh, that has pretty much brought him fully into the MVP race with Ronald Acuna Jr. And arguably in the lead for the MVP. And that's kind of where I want to talk is around Mookie Betts, his great month. Um, and then who really holds the edge here? Cause both of these guys are very, very deserving of it, of an MVP uh, in the month of August. Mookie Betts in 126 plate appearances, hit 11 home runs, drove in 30 RBI, uh, 30 RBI, scored 35 runs himself, 10 doubles, hit 455. And where is the advanced? There it is. Uh, he just casually had a month with a 265 WRC plus. Yeah. That is a number that you only see next to Barry Bonds' name. Yeah. That is, I think, one of the best months anyone has ever had, let alone yeah, the best crazy. month Mookie has ever had. Is it not? Yeah, it's unbelievable, the season that he's having. Obviously, it's buoyed by that last month but you know it all counts and i i'm not gonna lie like i did not see this coming i did not think that we would have a peak mookie bet season at this point i thought he was going to be a great player but i didn't think he was going to have his best season yet and that just shows the kind of player that he is that he that he's still evolving still improving in some ways He's at 38 home runs. That's a career high with, uh, you know, almost 30 games to go. Like, Mookie Betts is going to be a 40 home run guy. Yeah. And he he did that by basically going and doing what um, Lars Newtbart did. He went to driveline. uh, Started working with, which, by the way, I listened to our uh, uh, preseason episode here not too long ago. And uh, he went to driveline and was going to be the new... uh, um, Best shape of his life. Yeah, best shape of his life. So, but Mookie Betts went to driveline. He started doing weighted bat training and got his bat speed up, and it's showing up. And he's he's just casually hitting about forty home runs. But the the biggest thing to me is like it, people have been talking about Ronald is the MVP favorite for the entire season, and justifiably so. Like, I I don't disagree that he is very deserving of an MVP. 32 home runs, 335 average, almost a 600 or a 580 slug, um, a 167 WRC plus 6.9 war for a dude who sucks at defense. Like that is a phenomenal season for Ronald Acuna Jr. But I don't think enough people are giving Mookie credit for what he's doing because everything that Ronald is doing, Mookie is doing better with the exception of exactly one thing, and that is steals. Mookie, almost 40 home runs, so 38, currently leading by six, also hitting well above 300 at 316, but he's slugging over 600 with an identical OBP for a 175 WRC+, 7.7 war, and he plays right field, second base, and shortstop, and he's played at least 16 games at each of those positions. Yeah, so that's the most it, amazing thing. You never see an MVP candidate basically moving around the field like a uh, utility man. And it's it's amazing that he's playing so well on the infield when he hasn't done it in a really long time. He did it a little bit last year, but 
not yeah. not on a regular basis. It's it's so great. It's so cool to see someone doing that. Yeah, and like he's he's a an average defensive shortstop. He's nothing spectacular at short, but he's been doing some really good stuff at second base. Like he's got like six DRS or something at second base right now. Um, and then he's pretty much always a gold glover in right field. And he's doing that again this year too. Like he is a huge, huge advantage here on the defensive side of the ball because Acuna has a great arm, but he cannot track a ball. He cannot play it off a wall. What? Come on. That's a little harsh. He's pretty good. He's not good. He's pretty good. Uh, He's not good at it. Um, but yeah, I I kind of think that with Mookie's three different positions, the fact that he's probably going to get the utility man gold glove this year, his first 40 homer season, like the, the biggest knock for for Mookie that I could see is he only has 10 steals. Like Ronald has 63. You know, honestly, I don't think it I don't think that's going to factor into the MVP discussion cuz I think the voters now realize like, yeah, steals are steals are great, but they are not like the most important thing. There's, there's so many other things to look at and you're laying out the case for Mookie. I mean, you can, you can definitely make other arguments for Ronald that don't have to do with steals and they're, they're so close. And I think it's actually just going to come down to the last month of the season. It actually matters. Like neither one of these guys has it locked up at this point. Um, It's going to come down to, how they finish. I think the other really interesting comparison between the two is the fact that they're on the best two teams in the national league, which there's some people that say that if you're an MVP, you have to be playing on a, a postseason team, whatever, because if you're not in the postseason, how important are you really? Blah, 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 blah. Well, both these guys are on teams that are very obviously going to be in the postseason. Then people go, well, he's only that good, be- or the team's only that good, and he's only that good because of someone else on the team supporting him. Ronald Acuna has a guy who's also, it, betting odds have him as being fourth in the MVP voting in Matt Olson. He's leading the NL in home runs. He's having a fantastic season in, in Atlanta. But then you look at Mookie Betts, and he's being supported by Freddie Freeman, mm-hmm. who betting odds have as the third in the MVP voting. So, both of these guys have incredibly, incredibly similar offensive numbers. Mookie, in my opinion, edges out a couple of those that I think are pretty important. Plus, you add in the defense, you have a supporting cast of another MVP caliber player on a team that is arguably an MVP or uh, a World Series favorite here in Atlanta and in uh, LA. And this is just an incredibly interesting MVP race to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in a year where Otani is clearly the AL MVP, and there's, I don't think anyone who's even remotely close, it's really, really cool to see this happening in the NL. So totally agree. Yeah. So that's Hope my spiel on strong. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my spiel on Mookie Bats. Uh, do you have? Anything else that you would like to talk about there, or shall we end it with the South side? Oh, I, I was saying we should push it to next week because we've, oh, we've push already it to next week. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Um, all right, cool. So if that's it, I think I have one more question for you to end it. Who is your MVP? For the NL? Yeah, and it could be someone who's not one of those two either, if you want. Oh, geez. Uh, put me on the spot here. I think I'm going to stick with Ronald. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure it's like a numbers-based argument, but he's been the leader in the MVP race like from the start. Mookie like, caught up to him, so I'm going to give Ronald some credit for his consistency month to month. Um, but I, I, I think it's extremely close, and I don't. I'm not going to argue with anyone that that thinks that Betts should win it. I have a feeling that Acuna wins it, and I do think the 30-60 is going to play a factor in that. Like he's doing something that is unparalleled in baseball history. The power speed combo that he is bringing is something entirely new. Well, not entirely new. Ricky Henderson was close. He never was done. It's never been done to this level. 
it's never been done to this level. Like Ricky had a 28-78 season. But Ronald actually reached the threshold and is still going and still has time to make that even better. Um, but for me personally, I I really value that defense that Mookie brings, which is why I personally would vote for Mookie Betts. Playing three positions, two of them at a gold glove level and one of them at an average major league level, he's not negative defensively anywhere you put him. And he's willing to play anywhere just to get some of these other guys' ABs. For sure. So... I'm I'm really curious what all you guys listening think. Um, I know that most people are probably going to vote for Acuna. Completely understandable. But um, I know there are some uh, Mookie truthers out here. I am one of them. So um, let us know on social media who you think the MVP is. And actually, I think on Spotify, I can add a poll now. So I'm going to add that to the poll when I post this. Um, but yeah. So that's all we got for you tonight. Thank you very, very much for hanging out with us. We will be back here next week, and I will hopefully still be in my lovely house here in southern Indiana. Uh, So thank you very much, and we will catch you next time. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or YouTube to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Getaway Day Pod. If you enjoy card collecting, check out our sister YouTube channel at Getaway Day Cards.